0: This podcast of The Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit Seanstevensonmodel.com
1: Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my beautiful co host and producer, Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade?
0: What's up, Sean?
1: How's it going today? <laughs> what are you doing?
0: I am Hapilosius.
1: Hap- Happy-locious. Yes. Tell me about that.
0: Deliciously happy, melodious. Mmm. What?
1: <laughs> incredible. I love how you do that.
0: I love doing What's it. What's that one again? Happy-locious.
1: Happy-locious. I'm happy-locious. Uh, I hope you're happy-locious. Yes. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. We've got another incredible show for you today. Today we're talking about an issue that I've seen, I don't even know. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times, countless times in my practice where an individual is diagnosed with a particular disease. You know, they're giving it a diagnosis. And then the preceding events after that are very, very important because it can change your life. You know, you can end up losing your life if you don't make the right decisions when you get diagnosed with something. So it's kind of a heavy topic, you know, but this is something that's really, really important for you to have this knowledge and for you to have these strategies to employ so you're not just operating on a primitive emotional decision and you have a you have a plan you know what to do if something ever does go down all right so it's going to be incredible show we've got so many amazing things and insights it's just going to blow your mind you know how we roll
2: that's right
1: but first let's give a shout out to our show sponsor perfectsupplements.com the industry leader for whole food superfood nutrition and by you being a fan of the show you get 10 percent off your entire purchase the hookup by entering the coupon code model 101 that's m-o-d-e-l 101 and you know what I'm loving right now? I'm really loving, and you already know this. Which one is it? <laughs> I'm loving the perfect acai. I've is just been that? really yeah. on it, and it's doing something. I really think it's doing something with my with my healing from my workouts. I feel like I'm recovering faster because mm. you know I I get busy, right? You know, Go I beat hard. myself down a little bit lately, especially <laughs> during the winter time lifting some heavy weights, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know I really feel like it's helping me recover. And as you know, it's loaded with antioxidants, which it's a big Player in that, mm-hmm. but also um, so perfect acai. You love that, and I also in loving the perfect coconut oil, which
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean I use it every day. I use it just before I came over it's here, like
0: the household put
1: it up, put some on my face and <laughs> my beard. I finally shaved, thank goodness, I was looking like caveman, and um, of course putting it into my super Superman mate mm-hmm. in the morning with my yerba mate. Actually, this morning I used some roibo's tea. Oh, what you is know, that fancy stuff? So it's it's actually sort of like a legume okay Uh so it's kind of like but it's this rich beautiful red tea Uh and what's been found is that it's actually a little bit more hydrating than just regular h2o as far as you know if you're doing some kind of athletic performance Uh and there are companies out there that have marketed this and it's in major league uh ball clubs for example Yeah. the vikings have used it um, the Boston Red Sox. Well, there you go. So rooibos tea is some really fantastic stuff. Rooibos. It's this really beautiful red color too, which well, tells you the nice. antioxidants yeah. there. Yeah. So I blended that, some hot rooibos with my perfect coconut oil. Okay. And a little bit of stevia. A couple other little knickknacks <laughs> I threw in there, you know, had me feeling like 10 billion. But uh-huh.
2: perfect coconut
1: oil is one of my favorite things ever. And um, by you being a fan of the show, again, you get 10% off your entire purchase. That's so right. So head over to perfectsupplements.com and get your amazing superfoods in your house and in your
0: body. In your pantry, keep them handy. Mado una cero una.
1: Thank you. You I feel like I just pushed the the ESP button, you know. I love it. All right.
0: You mean the Spanglish button? (laughs)
2: uh, It is what
1: it is. I'm learning too, you know. I got this little app on my phone, but that's for another topic. That's right. All right. Um, Let's go ahead and get into the review of the week.
0: This one is from I Just Might Be the One. Great name. Another five star rating. Says, Awesome in all caps. I tune in at work, while I'm cleaning the house, or while walking. Learn while you burn. LOL. If you're looking to improve your health, check out the Model Health Show. It will change your life. I love that. Thank you so much. I tune in when I'm doing laundry. It's really the best way to get through laundry.
1: Really? Yes. That's, that's yes. really
0: smart. I get through, I mean, before I know it, and you know we've got a lot of laundry.
1: <laughs> so it's a great tip for getting our show into your into your DNA. <laughs> there you go. Is fold go. clothes, fold and do clothes. laundry while That's you listen.
0: Right. Speak life into the things that you wear.
1: Awesome! Cover I love it. A, what? Wow! I love that. I love that. Yeah. So thank you so much for heading over to iTunes and leaving us these reviews. It means so so much and you should see the smile on my face Love when i'm going care. through yeah. and trying to pick who's going to be the review of the mm-hmm. week and of course we're going to give a shout out to everybody and head over to itunes the model Health show and uh leave us a review That's right. an honest review At you least. know let us you know, know what take you think off. of the show we
0: take it all
1: yes and uh, mm-hmm. i appreciate it so much all the five star ratings are just blowing my mind and, yeah. and i just want to give a huge shout out to everybody listening so That's thank right. you so much
0: and you just happened to be the one today so good looking out that was a good one
1: Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Let's get into the show topic. All right, Sean. So today we're talking about what to do when you are diagnosed with a disease.
0: First, let's hug our listeners that have been diagnosed.
1: So just please understand that there is someone, there are, it's more than someone, there are many, many people who love you and care about you and have your back. And you're not in this alone. And oftentimes, especially when we're dealing with something that only we're physically experiencing, we feel isolated. We feel like no one else understands. I do understand. I do. And, you know, I've been through my own particular uh, life demolishing, seemingly at the time, yep. disease, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And even looking back on it, what we're going to talk about today, the diagnosis is what really did the number on me right. more so than the disease itself. Sure. So just please understand that first and foremost. And today you're going to learn so much about, the proper action to take so that either where you, wherever you are in this or the, the people in your life that you care about so that everybody is equipped to be able to handle this situation, mm-hmm. all right?
0: Mm-hmm. There, I'm glad you said that, too, because the energy that the people that are around you has could feed that yeah, absolutely absolutely. right?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the top here. Let's just start right there. That's how we do. And look at, okay, so it's going to be usually one of two things when you go in to get your checkup. One thing for a lot of people, when they go in and they've been experiencing some kind of pain or discomfort or something's wrong or something's off, getting a diagnosis can be a very freeing experience because they actually finally find out, okay, that's what's been wrong with me. All right. So that's, it can be a very freeing experience for some people. And that can elicit the place where the plan gets put into place. Like, okay, I know what, what's wrong now. What do I do about it? Right. You know? This matters if you're empowered or not to, whether or not you're gonna react that way. So for some people it can be a very freeing experience. we're gonna come back and talk about that. For some people it can be a total shock. Right. You can go in to get some blood work and find out, you know, you maybe you have AIDS or maybe you um you have a uh, blood cancer or whatever the case may be, you know. Jeez. For a lot of people it's coming totally out of left field mm-hmm. and These are the two general states that we're going to be coming from. All right? Right. Either way, when you get that diagnosis, we have to put this in its proper perspective. And it starts with understanding, first and foremost, what a diagnosis actually is. Okay. All right? Diagnosis is derived from the Greek word meaning to discern or to distinguish. Okay. So it's discerning certain symptoms or certain characteristics to see, okay, this matches up with this, it doesn't really match up with that. But the most important understanding—that's where it's derived from. But today, what it's—the definition of a diagnosis—is really it's an opinion. It's an opinion derived from an evaluation. Okay, it's an opinion mm-hmm. derived from an evaluation. And it's better stated as, and this is the medical term—is is, it's a diagnostic opinion. That's what it is. <laughs> Please understand, diagnostic this is an opinion, opinion of the quote expert who's assessing you. Right. Right. It's and still that's not an opinion. To
0: say that they're horrible, but right? That's their opinion, and they are trying to assess. Yes. They're trying to yes. help, however, based on what they know, their experience, and their perspective.
1: Yeah, and oftentimes they're obviously usually really good at their job. Sure. Okay, and they're good at they're good at this guessing because it's an it's, a, a guess. it's a guess. All right, they're good at guessing what the thing is, and it can be so matched up to what other people have that you get this diagnosis. You get put into a category. Right. So now you're no longer a person. You're a category of symptoms. OK, so now you put you're put into this.
2: Ooh, yeah, so a you're category
1: into this bunch.
0: of symptoms
1: mm-hmm. and you're given this label of now you have diabetes. Mm-hmm. So now you're no longer just. Tom, or you're no longer just Susan, you're you're diabetic, Susan. Mm-hmm. OK, so this guess, this opinion of you has now taken shape and taken root in your own consciousness mm.
0: change your name
1: just like that okay and we're going to talk about how this actually takes shape you know because it, what i just said is very very real it's a very real experience exactly. because one of the things that we have to break apart today and really discern is the fact that people typically when they get diagnosed with an illness they really own it they really take it on as theirs and you know somebody says you know it's my cancer mm. My diabetes, my, and that in and of itself has this deep psychological grip it's like embedded and burned into you every cell in your body right. you're owning it yeah when I want to just have you take a step back first and foremost to understand that again this is this is a diagnosis which is it's essentially an opinion and a guess it doesn't have this final say about you right because you are diagnosed with diabetes doesn't mean you have to own it and that that you have to have it.
0: Or you don't even have to dress like it. <laughs> right. I mean, really, right. you don't say you do, take it on and mm-hmm. put it in the bag. Who says that that has to be your carrying card?
1: Yeah. Exactly. You
0: No, know, it's exactly. in the bag, but you you're still you. Right. I don't wear those diabetic clothes. No.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, and wow. what you're bringing up a, a interesting point is that it's not being oblivious to it. It's not exactly. ignoring it. Exactly. It's acknowledging, okay, that's, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to take that on. I'm not going to own that thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I understand what it is. And now what do I do to change that? You know, so it's taking responsibility, but it's not, it's not saying that that's who you are. Sure. Okay. I hope and I'm being clear with that.
0: For me, I hear, well, of course I add to that, yeah. <laughs> but I also hear being able to rename it. Because there are, again, Mm -hmm. if you're this, wow, collection of symptoms, then that's a collection of characteristics and things that those symptoms carry out. You know, they're going to behave a certain way. They're going to affect you a certain Mm -hmm. way. The outcomes will be a certain way because those are already defined. Well, why not I be the diabetic that kicked its butt and it doesn't really show? Exactly. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. How about this? Mm -hmm. I am diabetic stinked. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> throws us some wordsmith on yeah, it. I
1: don't know. I love it. I love it. My diabetes is extinct, baby. All right. All right. So, let's get into the actual science behind this because right. what I'm saying right now can be very new agey, metaphysical don't kind of stuff. Don't say airy. Right? I'm not airy. It's not fairy. airy
2: not fairy.
1: The science <laughs> is so real and sound with this. As I'm pinching together my <laughs> right. fingers. <That's> very real.
0: <laughs> it's between the It's like, mm, it's right. so delicious. <laughs> Delicioso.
1: Delicioso. All right. So
0: you are way too old. There's no <laughs> way you know that.
1: So what the conversation leads to is this, is, is understanding really the power of the mind and the power of human psychology and its influence over everything that's going on in your physical body. A big takeaway and something I want you to write down is the fact that your brain, your mind is the governing force over your entire community of cells, All right? So if you look at your body like the United States, we've got governing authority that determines the laws and the parameters that everything else acts under. Okay. Okay? So your cells are the citizens. Your brain is the government, okay? It's the governing force. It's the influential power that essentially tells everything else what to do, whether you know it or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you really don't know. A lot of people don't understand consciously how government and how laws have structured your reality Mm -hmm. you don't even you're just doing certain things because
0: automatic
1: all right so now let's put that to the side Mm
0: -hmm. put a pin in that right there
1: put a pin boom Mm -hmm. right there on the board (laughs) all right (laughs) this leads to the conversation about placebo effect the placebo effect now many people have heard this term before and for for a long time in science the placebo effect was considered a nuisance Because it would always throw off the actual results of the study, right? When they're talking about, when they're trying to test new medications and things like that, Mm -hmm. because the belief in it would lead to a certain percentage of effect. Mm -hmm. So now let me share some of the science with you guys. This isn't a small effect thing either. This is not. It's Mm -hmm. a very, very significant effect. Estimates of the placebo cure rate. Notice I said cure. Estimates of the placebo cure rate range from a low of 15%, which is still significant to a high of 72%. What? And and here's why. It can be that effective is that the longer the period of treatment of somebody having a placebo, right, so they're coming in every week or every month to see their physician and to get a treatment, which is nothing more than like a sugar pill Mm -hmm. or some kind Mm -hmm. of injection of nothing more than, you know, some some inert fluid, all right? The longer the period of treatment and the longer and the larger the number of physician visits, the greater the placebo effect. This has been proven clinically wow. after study, after study, after study, just the idea, but the placebo effect, just to make this really simple is that it's just the, it's the assumption that a pill or a treatment that you're taking on is doing a certain thing. So in one particular study, let me just pull this one up right here. I thought it was so fascinating. So they've got a hundred people mm-hmm. and they put them into a room and they give them all is placebo, which is a sugar pill. And they say it's the newest miracle drug to get rid of headaches. And all 100 people have headaches. And what they found was that 55% (laughs) of the people taking the sugar pill were completely cured of their headaches.
0: Well, maybe the water that they took the pill with, Sean.
1: Yeah, (laughs) the thing is, what they found too, they did another 100. Uh And what they found was that 20% of the people just got better just from being in the study. That's why overall it's going to be a mm-hmm. 35%. Mm-hmm. Generally it's 33 to 35% effectiveness for taking a placebo. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because some people just get better and what they what they found is that they don't really they don't have any explanation. It's called spontaneous remission. Okay? Nice. And what it is really it's your body's innate uh, infinite intelligence taking over and fixing the problem which it will do oftentimes.
2: So super cool, you know. Just but fix when you it.
1: add something that they believe is going to help them. Mm-hmm. That's when stuff really gets interesting. And so what's going on with the placebo? Well, we found that the placebo, it shifts your body in a biochemical way, right? So everything in your body is changing based on a belief that something is going to happen. Here, let me me read some of these for you guys. So fascinating. Placebos follow the same dose response curve as real medicines. Two pills give more relief than one, and a larger (laughs) capsule is better than a smaller one. Placebo injections do more than placebo pills. Mm Substances that actually treat one condition but are used as a placebo for another have a greater placebo effect than sugar pills. So if you're giving somebody a pill for, you know, that's a antibiotic, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to be, and you tell them that it's for, you know, cancer.
2: It's <laughs> right. going to
1: affect the cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the greater the pain, the greater the placebo effect. Oh, wow. It's as if the more relief we desire, the more we attain.
0: That is huge.
1: And here's the other one is that you don't have to be sick for a placebo to work. Placebo stimulants, placebo tranquilizers, even placebo alcohol produced predictable effects in healthy subjects. <laughs> I just watched this study the other day. I saw the physical life study of college students that they got together. They thought they were doing an experiment of something else, you know, just looking at social skills. Mm-hmm. And they offered them all the participants in the study that they got free alcohol. All right. <laughs> but they didn't know that they were getting non-alcoholic beer. And non alcohol like grapefruit juice, you know, like sparkling cider or something like that. Where they had no, zero alcohol. And to see when everybody first came in dry and just very awkward, you know, socially, and as everybody drank more and more and more of this fake alcohol, I, I mean, it started to get crazy. Get I mean, out. one girl got like totally messed up. Get out. You know, and she couldn't like rationally at the end of the study when they told him, She just couldn't rationally make sense of it. Like, why? Why do I feel like this? And here's why, guys. This is why it's so powerful: is that when you introduce something to your body and it has a history of that thing, it immediately starts to elicit those processes. That's big. Okay. I hope that makes sense. So your body already knows what's going to happen when you bring that thing in, or when you go to that doctor visit. So it immediately starts to elicit the processes to make that thing happen. Wow. That's real. The human brain Mm. anticipates outcomes.
0: That's amazing.
1: And the anticipation of these outcomes produces certain biochemical changes in your body. It's literally as simple as that.
0: So you have to kind of intervene in that. You've got to put up something to kind of shake yourself out of that pretend reality.
1: Yeah. The beautiful part is for me, being, you know, somebody who helps people clinically is that the belief in something oftentimes can be far more powerful than the treatment itself and using that in an ethical, helpful way, Mm -hmm. you know, because certain things that people do bring into their body as far as, you know, um, nourishing their system, um, providing, you know, anti-cancer compounds, it can be very, very helpful. But if their belief in it is so strong, it can trump any effects of any drug or any supplementation or anything that they do. It's their belief. That's how powerful we are. I bring up the understanding of the placebo and its effectiveness clinically. And across the board, everybody, please hear this. This is clinically proven to work 33% of the time. And you're not taking any drug, but you get rid of the disease. That's how powerful it is, just by your brain. Okay, And there's so many books out there. Um, Wonderful teachers, Dr. Uh, Bernie Siegel, um, Lisa Rankin. Mm -hmm. Check out their work and you'll find story after story, study after study, showing how effective the placebo effect is. Now, now we have to look at the other side of the coin. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw this one one wonderful talk and it was like, there's always an evil twin,
2: right? right? <laughs> yeah. So the,
1: the alter world <laughs> version, of the placebo effect, the evil twin is the nacebo effect. Okay. Mm. So placebo effect essentially is this positive injunction that something's going to have a positive effect on you or... Change your state some kind of a way in a, in a way that's advantageous. A nocebo effect is when you get a negative injunction about something. You have a negative belief that something is going to happen based on you doing a certain thing or you receiving a certain thing. There's an interesting story about a gentleman in the 1970s named Sam Schumann. And Sam Schumann, this is before we had all this incredible diagnostic equipment that we have today. Mm-hmm. And he was diagnosed with cancer. And his doctor told him that he had three months to live, Mm -hmm. all right? So, and he proceeded to decay and slowly die, and he almost died three months to the day after he was diagnosed with that. When they did the autopsy, they found that the tumor was so tiny that it couldn't have possibly had any physical effects on him. But he believed that it was spread through his his body and that he was dying and and he only had three months to live. But because Of of his belief... That he was going to die wow. because of the opinion of a doctor, a well meaning doctor in some way, he proceeded to clock out. My every God. cell in his body, the citizens believed that he was dying. Right. And the governing force told him that it was true. All right?
0: Wow. Wow.
1: So uh. there, there's an interesting story right here. And this is happening every single day. Every day. Every day to our com- people in our community, mm-hmm. our loved ones, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers and sisters, our our friends and family, every day, well-meaning individuals are implanting these negative associations into their mind. All right? And I've seen this happen physically myself like face to face. Right. I've seen a situation where a woman, she knows she knows something's off. She's not been feeling well for quite a while. So she finally goes into the doctor. She walks into the doctor. She walks into the hospital. They find that she has cancer that's spread throughout her body. Just you know, she's got cancer everywhere—her her lungs, her brain. She walked into the hospital within 24 hours. She can't even walk anymore.
2: Mm.
1: When they tell her that she is going to die, and the cancer spread throughout her body, and she only has—they told her six weeks. She had six weeks to live. We had to wheelchair her out of the hospital. Only hours after she walked in, just feeling like, you know, something wasn't right, right, but she was still like she just left work. But because of her belief in what she was told by the authority figure, and this is where we gotta break the paradigm right here, she began to die. And I can tell you, after her time span had gone by and she was following what we what we implemented, people were coming to her, her house. And I had somebody pull me to the side like, I thought she was supposed to
2: die. Like, <laughs>
1: why, why is she still alive? You know? And um, it's very interesting to see this, that she lost so much weight, just became physically frail, and for her to get stronger and healthier and the light to come back on. But it was all kicked off by this basic belief that we're ingrained within our society that the doctor, who is another person, they're another human being, and yes, they've had some training, they've gone to school, but they're just another person. But they're we have just another person. We have this, and, and uh, we need to be honest about this, we have this sort of God complex about them that they can tell us what is going to happen with us, you know, that they have the final say about us, that they're going to tell us whether or not we're going to live or die, whether we're going to be sick or healthy. So we have more of a belief in them mm-hmm. than we do in our real God or the infinite intelligence that's running us, that's beating your heart right now mm-hmm, as you're listening mm-hmm. to my voice. They're not more powerful than that unless you give them that right, unless, unless you, you give, give them, them permission to have that power. It's like, okay, so we have this wonderful democracy, but let's do a dictatorship. Right here. Let's go and bring in the dictator, Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> you know, and have him muck up everything. You know what I'm saying? That's what we do. That's what we do when we give them permission. Mm-hmm. And this is where the conversation is really going today as to what what do we do about this? How do we take back ownership of our own mind and body yes. while allowing the complimentary services of our wonderful doctors and nurses and people that are there trained to help us, but also putting that in its proper place? That's right. All right. What do you think about that, Jade?
0: I'm pretty floored. I think about being told that we probably could not have children. Yeah. At all mm-hmm. because yeah. of fibroid tumors that had riddled my womb.
1: Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah.
0: And I remember not letting that be the final answer, not knowing why or what, what it would affect, but knowing that that was not the final, final answer. Yeah. You know, Yeah, I went to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, that's one of the things that sets you apart from this, the standard of what m- most people do. They have a hierarchy in their mind about who they're associating with. And they will say that they believe. They will say that they have faith, but they're not really practicing well, what they say. Well, that
2: tests
0: it, though. Yeah, that absolutely. That absolutely. You know, because I can't say that I wasn't afraid, terribly worried, and who knew? You know, but then in turn, when our first baby was coming into the world, we were told, no, you need to have a C-section. <laughs> and so we're yeah. OK. <laughs>
2: right. Then they
0: they got their <laughs> they got their authority back because mm-hmm. it was like, OK, whatever, because I'm in this desperate place yeah. and, and didn't know. And then every child thereafter had to suffer the same fate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's and also, of course, there's degrees of empowerment. But what we're doing today, mm-hmm. Mama Jade, who had now has four kids four. when they said that you can't have kids. Nine. Now we're in a position where we can help other people, That's right. you know, to be able to, wow. you know, Take a take an alternative path, you know. Just maybe take a little bit of a divergent route. I mean, a course to getting to where you want to be, and we don't have to follow this kind of standard. And I've seen this. I don't even know how many times as well, where um, young women are told like they're too small. Oh man, they're too small to have a natural birth, or that right? they
0: have to have hysterectomies and such, yeah. and partials. <laughs>
1: My wife is small. She's smaller she, than she's smaller than her friend, who her friend had a C-section, and it was scheduled because the doctor told her that she was too small.
0: Too small to have children. That's something. Who made her?
1: It's just absurd. It's, it seems it's so absurd crazy. now, but it's I so can crazy, see how but, right, right, right. You know, that's that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's save that conversation for another day because we're gonna actually have on somebody. To, to talk about natural childbirth.
0: Oh, wow. So,
1: we're going to do that. We are no Coming joke. Coming up,
0: we are 2014. No joke.
1: Healthy pregnancies and, and childbirth is so, going to be the topic. So, you'll
0: have to talk to my husband because now I'm going to want another baby.
1: So, oh, no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not. My name's Finnett and I ain't in it. I'm not in that. All right. So, let's move on now, everybody. Yeah. And um, one, one more quick side note before we do, I, I want to mention this was that. The placebo effect is not just restricted to a subjective, like, self-report. Like, okay, yeah, well, my headache's gone. They've studied this stuff to where we're looking at the actual blood composition. We're looking at endorphins in the body. We're looking at... Measurable. For example, studies, and I just pulled this one up, um, studies on asthma patients taking a placebo showed less constriction of the bronchial tubes in patients that were using placebo drugs.
2: Measurable.
1: Okay, so this isn't just... Again, like, oh, I feel better or my right. mood has changed. No, this is real physiological stuff based on your perception. Yeah. All right. That's now. Just,
0: that's that's got to be, you've got to really reiterate that. That's yeah. key. That's-
1: so now let's get into it. This is the four steps. Okay. So what to do after diagnosis. Here's the four steps. You go into the, your doctor's office and whether it was a relief to find something out or is a total shock. These are the four steps to follow. You're diagnosed with a particular illness or disease. Step number one, stop. Stop. Refrain from making emotional fear-based decisions.
0: Don't do anything right away.
1: Step number one, and I've seen this so many times where it's doomsday. Mm -hmm. We have to operate right right now. We have to do this right now. You need to get on this drug right away. And chances are, here's the, this is the, this is the reality of the situation. Chances are this situation has been going on for a little while and you walked your butt into the doctor's office, okay? (laughs) You're going to be all right for another day or so where you can just stop and let everything, and think about it more rationally. Let everything sink in and take some time to think Objectively. Right. And really take some time to, to <laughs> have a more of a rational and complete decision about what you're gonna do. That's right. You're gonna be okay for another day. Mm-hmm. All right. At least give yourself a At day. Least. Right. Stop. That's step number one. Stop. Refrain from making emotional fear based decisions. I wish I had more a people's right lives now. have been damaged mm-hmm. or lost. Yes. Because they didn't take a moment to just stop. Right. And not let fear guide their decision. You should never be operating from a place of fear. You need to be operating from a place of empowerment. Yes. And a, a whole complete heart, knowing fully and completely that this is the right decision. Yes. Okay? So stop. That's step number one. Step number two is to discuss this diagnosis with your trusted advisors.
0: Call Sean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's only one me. I know, There's only one. I know. All right. So <laughs> s- s- step number two is dis- to discuss this with your trusted advisors. This would be your family. Mm -hmm. This would be people who are educated in fields of health and wellness.
0: And that know you.
1: Yes. One of your main trusted advisors might be God. (laughs) Might be for some people, you know. I'm just putting it out there. Discuss this with your trusted advisors. Sit, be still, pray. Mm -hmm. Pray. If that's that's something that's a part of your life, Mm -hmm. pray about this. Ask for clarity. Yes. Ask, what is it that I need to do to heal in this situation? And take some time to listen. Now, this isn't, again, in a hospital setting where you've got your family there and everybody's scared. Mm. No, no. We step away from that. We get clear. We get into a place where there's some livelihood there. There's some laughter. There's some happiness. There's some appreciation. There's some faith that things are going to be good. That's right. Okay. We step away from that environment because step number one was to stop. Yeah. The best advice is to get your butt out of out there. Out of there. Yeah. Okay. Where most people die is in is in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Statistically, most people die there. You know, and it's like, oh well, that's well, because yeah, people are sick people there. Are,
0: right. People, that are sick are going there.
1: Here's the reality: is that a lot of people walk in for problem A and then they die from problem B.
0: Well,
1: Sean. All right. That's true. because there's a lot of sickness mm-hmm. just roaming the halls.
0: We'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, Putting the SIBO effect. Yeah. You're walking through the halls of sickness, walking yeah. through the valley of.
1: The shadow of death. <laughs> right. This reminds me of the Coolio song. Right. As I walk through the.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, been banning. Right. Living in the gangsters. <laughs>
0: this <laughs> is a very serious moment. See? Woo. <laughs> hour go after go hour.
1: Money in the power. Right. All right. Okay. So, step number one. Here's what to do after you get the diagnosis. Step number one is to stop. Refrain from making emotional fear-based decisions. Step number two is to discuss with your trusted advisors. Yes. Step number three is to educate yourself. Right. Learn everything there is to know about what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mhm. Mhm. This is your duty. Whatever you've been diagnosed with, it wasn't given to someone else. This is your thing. Okay. And it's not saying, oh, I, I own it like this is me now. Right. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. It's having that discernment. Like, I I have helped to create this situation. Well, what is it that I'm going to do to help to uncreate it? Or whatever the word was that you use? Extinct. Something stink. I
0: okay. said dia- diabetes stink.
1: Diabetes stink. <laughs> diabetes stink. <laughs> so educate yourself. That's step number three. Understand that you are powerful in this. Yes. Your body. Matter of fact, let's actually really back in from something that you brought up, which was asking the right questions. Because when you educate yourself and you go on Dr. Google, which there's nothing that's not available to you anymore. Sure. Um, say you've been diagnosed with high cholesterol mm-hmm. and then you go on to Dr. Google and, and you're Googling, you know, um, what are the best treatments for high cholesterol? And then you find out, oh, it's statins. It's lowering your... Cholesterol intake from your food, da 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 You ask what's the best treatment, and you're going right. to get some general conventional messages from that.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: you change the words around even a little bit, what's the best natural treatment? There you go. Or how do I reverse high cholesterol naturally?
0: Right, as well as how do I face or uh, address or cope emotionally? Those other kinds of questions mm-hmm. to add into it instead of just what the thing is. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's so many other aspects to it. You might end up finding out, oh, my gosh, I have symptoms of this, that, and the other thing. And now I really have, there's an arm growing out of my neck. (laughs) Look (laughs) at it. Give him a five.
1: (laughs) Give my little arm a five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Right. So, mm -hmm.
0: yeah, there's look for all the things that you might face and encounter with it as well. As many as you can, you know. But a lot of that, getting that internal answer you know, that discernment, that wisdom, that sensitivity to it will definitely be among the best places to start.
1: And we need to have a balanced perspective with this as well, because again, we don't want to do this from a fear based place. So we want to be educated about both sides of the story. So if there is a drug that's recommended, don't just take the drug, go find out about it and look at the pros and cons. Okay, because some medications, it's not like oh, just natural medicine is the only way. No, some no. of that stuff can be very effective. But for acute situations, I'd say, so like temporary, you don't want to live on a lot of these medications because they're not real. Like these things are manufactured man-made things. Your mm-hmm. body was not designed for that. Mm-hmm. But they can be very helpful for some people in in certain instances. So look at the pros, but also and so look at the, the side effects. What are the side effects? Right. And then you'll start to see communities. Mm-hmm. You'll start to see whole websites dedicated to people getting together and saying, how their lives have been destroyed because of this medication that they thought that they had to take. And now they have no libido or now they um, now they have diabetes as a result of taking their statin, which, by the way, if you want to Google that one and have a field day looking at the effects of statins, (laughs) diabetes is right there. People who take statin drugs radically, radically increased incidence of diabetes now. Right?
0: It makes it worse.
1: And this is because you're those taking those statin drugs, which I didn't want to make the show about this. I don't want to talk about it too much. But taking those statin drugs influence your body's production of hormones well, significantly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got to understand that there's what you can't you can't treat one thing and one other thing not be affected. That's not how your body works. Everything is interconnected. Mm hmm. And we, we forget that, you know, we That's forget that. That's what's
2: so
0: cool on your Fat Loss Code program, how you talk about us being a whole being. We're a whole body. We're not yeah. just these individual parts that we can work on, like right. just our biceps or well, like we, we can't build those one thing at, uh, at a time yeah. or take the fat off one thing at a time. We can't heal yeah. or address one thing at a time. We are a whole.
1: Whole entity. Entity, you know, and it's it's on the again, it's both sides. So we can't take a, a negative thing and it just affect one thing. Right. We can't also, with the positive thing, you, you, you can't try to improve one thing and not everything else be affected. Come on, affected, sure. you know? That's it. So you might be doing something to improve your, your heart function, like something real that we do. hmm the clinically proven stuff right. without the negative side effects, but then you find out like, dang, I lost all this weight mm-hmm.
0: too. You improve so, your sleep. Right. How About that mental clarity. Right. <laughs>
1: so you can't heal one thing and everything else not get better as well. Okay. So it's both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. So educate yourself. That's step number three. Learn everything. Everything. It's your duty. It's your duty. Not someone else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not the not the health coach or the nutritionist or the the doctor. It's not their responsibility, it's your responsibility. And that word, it really translates to mean the ability to respond. You have that ability to respond instead of react. Yes. You wanna be in a responding state instead of reactionary. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. there's a big difference.
0: That's right. That's so, the difference between playing tennis and racquetball. How so? <laughs> <laughs> so of course I picture Venus and Serena, they're responding, the ball's coming, they're sending it back with deliberate intention and in racquetball you hit the corner the wrong way you get popped in the head possibly you know, just <laughs> and you're
1: in a box you're in a lunch and box with balls box. flying around you're gonna be in reaction mode a little bit more yeah. i see where you're going with right that, Jay. but all
0: you racquetball masters just you know forgive yeah. me for <laughs>
1: that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're greater your response and your reaction
1: absolutely
2: okay so, so i digress <laughs>
1: so here's what to do After that diagnosis, here's the four steps. Step number one is to stop. Stop. Refrain from making emotional fear-based decisions. Step number two is to discuss with your trusted advisors. Step number three is to educate yourself. Learn everything there is to know about what you're dealing with. And ask the right questions. Step number four, and this is the big one here, is to give your body's infinite intelligence a chance first. All right? So this is where we get to really wrap up our conversation. Maybe it's not so obvious that your body has this infinite intelligence to fix you, you know, to fix the problem. Your body knows what to do. And even as we've kind of led into this conversation today is that just your your mind being in a state where you believe something's going to happen immediately changes your physiology. Yeah. You know, so your body anticipates and it knows what to do already. Mm -hmm. So this goes to the place where, We find out clinically that even the drugs that you're taking, your brain and your nervous system actually have to decide or agree that they're going to take on those drugs that you put into your body or whatever you're putting into your body. Your body literally determines whether or not it's going to even associate with it, you know, because this is why there's like people able to drink strychnine or drink poison. They're in like a spiritual whatever and they get bit by poisonous snakes and they don't die. Yeah. Right. it's because of their belief. They're so strongly believed that something is protecting them that their body is bypassing a lot of processing of those things. I right. like so that. it's very, very fascinating stuff. I like that. Bottom line is this. Your body dis- determines whether or not something is going to affect you. Mm-hmm. So the, the drug that you're taking, the drug that you might be taking to heal a particular issue, your liver, which is your, it, it, your liver is responsible for drug methylation. All right. Your liver is responsible for drug methylation. It determines what your body does with the drug. So in comes the drug, your liver responds to it. Your liver responds to it by doing all these different processes, creating certain hormones, uh, opening up certain methylation processes and detoxification channels, communicating with other organs. Your body's still doing the thing.
0: So if our body responds and not reacts, we need to be right in line with that.
1: Your body does the thing, Does Jade. the thing. The drug isn't even it. It can, it can maybe like, incite a conversation Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. but
1: your body does the thing your body at the end of the day is what heals you Mm. your body knows what to do and all we have to do oftentimes is get out of the way because your body is designed for optimal health it's our responsibility to put our body in the right environment for that to take place so it's really about the state it's the conditions Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like um, if we're trying to grow uh, an oak tree Mm-hmm. And we take the the acorn, and the oak tree is already in it.
0: It's in there,
1: right? Yeah. It's in there, but it needs the right conditions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we take the the acorn, and then we put it on some sand. And we water it with beer, right? <laughs> Chances are, it's not really going to work out well, you know. So for us, we take our amazing body that's designed to live 120 to 150 years, with all of watering its functions it with beer. And right, <laughs> we're we're eating sand, yeah. or AKA fake food we're eating a bunch of fake food and then we're watering ourselves with beer yes (laughs) chances are the conditions are not in your body for optimal health to take place you're you're damaging the environment
0: does that make sense it does i want my acorns to grow
1: but your body as soon as you get that stuff out of the way you start to bring in real fresh clean water real food movement nourishment love Yes. All the things that your body requires to be the greatest version of you. All of a sudden, that infinite intelligence is able to do what it does. And I blossom
0: into a tree. Which is
1: to heal you. Yes. Oh, goddess of ye tree. Of ye tree.
0: (laughs) I want a wreath around my head right
1: now. I just thought about the movie The Hobbit. There
2: you go. (laughs)
1: What to do after your diagnosis. These are the four steps. We're going to summarize them before we wrap up. And I might add a little another nugget in here. All right. Step number one, stop in the name of love. Stop, refrain from making emotional fear-based decisions. Truly, that is the first important step is to just stop. Everything is not going to end. The world is not ending right now. Stop. Step number two is to discuss this with your trusted advisors. Okay? In an open, clear-headed atmosphere, not fear-based. Step number three is to educate yourself. Learn everything there is to know about what you're dealing with and ask the right questions. Don't just go looking for how bad it is. Look at the potential good and also look at, find other people who've gone through what you have and who've been successful and not having that thing anymore because they go. are out there. There you go, yes. In, I mean, just in drove. There's so many people. And step number four is to give your body's infinite intelligence a chance first. That's right. Before you go and you do some abnormal treatment or you damage your body through surgery or some type of invasive um, procedure when your body is still it's a whole. you're alive okay and I'm something is coming up for me right now and this is another thing I want to discuss was there are so many people out there right now who have organs removed because they believe that they're not functioning anymore and one of the things that came to mind was thyroid removal I just had somebody when I did the webinar the other day was um, just like you know uh, my doctor told me that my thyroid uh, it isn't working right anymore and they really need to remove it. Is it still okay for me to be a part of this program? Can I get better? And to hear stuff like that and to hear negligent recommendations from a physician like that, because that's what they're taught to do surgery, um, medication, you know, pharmacology, and that's pretty much it. Those are their tools and their tool belt. I want everybody to understand that. If you have that organ and it's still in a living entity, you're still alive and breathing right now, it can be healed. It can be rejuvenated. And it's just, again, it's about creating the right conditions. Have you done everything that you can to create the right conditions for your body to do Uh what it can do? Uh And if you're honest with yourself, chances are that you have not. That's why the state is still there. Because you better believe it, your body can, I mean, you can heal.
0: You can, you can. and I've, I had an interview with um, emergency room directors this week, and they mentioned how as talented as, as they are from serving a diverse group of people, symptoms, and conditions, that they'll take the top two knowing that there are other contributing factors. Mm-hmm. And it saddened this one in particular, but they've come to understand that's just part of the job. And they kind of just stent or patch up and send folks back out, but they don't have the time, even if they had the concern, to tell them to address those other supporting issues to create the conditions. And included in those conditions, this emergency room director of one of the busiest hospitals here said connection to community, love, mm. well, education, and proper, like, sustained state of health yeah. go along with it.
1: It's just interesting to hear that they would even... Talk about, you know, but this is the change that's happening now. There are more and more physicians that are out there that are doing wonderful work, and you know, um, integrating natural health. Which even that word, I don't even, I don't like it. I don't like when we say natural health or natural solution. What do you want? Do you want you sorry. want the unnatural? Oh yeah. You know, it, this is just basic stuff where your body again it has infinite intelligence and we just have to get out of its way that's right and we remove the cause of the disease
2: that's right not
1: treat the symptoms not try to beat beat the symptoms down Mm -hmm. we just remove the cause we get get the get the problem out of the way
0: which is more natural instead of removing the thing to help you heal
1: but to bring up that love is important here that community is important yeah and this is something we need to talk more about this because we're coming up here on the hour but we need to talk more about this because in our society, it's really it's a way different. It's a very, very different world, even from when I was a kid. And I'm, you know, I'm not that right. not that old, Squirt. but there were just, you know, you can you had your neighborhood and you had, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the fr- family friends and family always coming together and everybody's not so disconnected and scattered and on their devices and not really talking anymore. You know, we don't really have that. Whereas, and then we take steps back where the community really would raise the child. You know, like yeah. my wife being from Kenya, seeing that there is a community there where, you know, other people were responsible. Like, you know, when my mother-in-law was a kid, mm-hmm. responsible for your well-being and your you being raised as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it truly was the village raising the child kind that's of right. thing. And today we don't have that. Mm-mm. You know, oftentimes the parents not even raising the child. Right. You so know. And then
0: who's responsible? Hands off a, a lot of times.
1: Yeah, so that's an important part of this whole thing. And really that's what... If we wanna be straight about this, in my belief, that 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 disease is there as a teacher. That disease is there to give you the opportunity to change, to get back connected to what's most important in your life.
2: That's powerful, Sean.
1: And we all have that opportunity. You know, we all have that opportunity. And even more so, when you get well and you feel well, you're able to help other people. That's right,
0: you can serve better. Yeah,
1: And, and to not go through what you have. So you go and you do that work and you do it with all your heart and watch the rewards that come from that. Love that. So, everybody, thank you so much. This is an important show to share and also just to have in your your superhero belt because standard of care, having just a couple of tools. You're building up, like, a Batman utility belt, that's right, right? That's right, Of, like, right. crazy gadgets that you can pull out, like, oh, really? Here, boom.
0: Exactly. And you pull that out exactly. on the Joker.
1: That's right. Or the Riddler. That's right. You know? <laughs> Come that's and right. make it stuff complicated. Oh, yeah, Riddler? Right. Riddle me this. I'll use the Bat Lasso on you. That's right, you, that's right. You know? <laughs> Tie you up, bro. I love it. All right. So, this is a great show to share and also a show to have. If you ever get into a situation where something like this is a part of your life. But by you being a, a fan of the show and somebody who's walking with me and working on being the greatest version of yourself, chances are you're going to be a healthy, sovereign individual for for many, many, many years. And I thank you so much for tuning in. I thank you for um, for all the appreciation and really uh, following this work and, and sharing the work, Yeah, you know, because that's what's most important. You taking this in and becoming a teacher yourself. That's right. All right. So thank you so much. We'll talk with you next time. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to the Sean Stevenson That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome yeah. and you're loving it. Yeah. And I read all the comments. So please leave me a comment there and take care everybody. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life.